part two of our discussion of sharing the good news with Mormons with Eric Johnson next on Polygamy. What love is this? Last time, we began our discussion about a newly published book, which was edited by Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell, and the book is entitled Sharing the Good News with Mormons, published by Harvest House Publishers. I asked Eric Johnson to come and discuss the book, and of course, he graciously agreed. He's been on our show several times uh, under past and, and different topics, Then this is a very good po topic, so I would like to introduce again and welcome Eric Johnson. Thanks. And again, thanks for coming and doing part two of this as we get into the book. It's uh, my pleasure, we Doris. Just, <laughs> we just started uh, chapter one last time, and, and or, or the introduction, so to speak. Um, so you, you, in the part one, you told us about your work with the, with the culture here. Uh, so would you want to just, instead of going into that again, give our viewers a place where they can buy the book and a brief, just a brief... Um, uh, ex explanation of the book. Sure, we uh, we have this book called Sharing the Good News with Mormons with the website sharingwithmormons.com. They can go there and that not only can they see the bios of all the authors and short synopsis of each of the chapters, but they can also look at additional chapters that have been written. Mm -hmm. So we have five or mm -hmm. six or seven different chapters there. And they can go on that site. They have links to uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, ChristianBooks.com, all of the online sites. You can buy it through MRM.org as well. So any, any way they want to get this, we highly recommend it. If you want to get the electronic version, you can get that online as oh, well. Kindle, okay. And, uh, and you did mention as we closed last time, um, that this really would be appropriate for seeking Mormon or, or Mormon fundamentalist if they want to have some questions answered. This would be a good book to get into. And, and I think some. there would be some challenging chapters for them. They might not agree, and they certainly, I'm sure, wouldn't agree, but at the same time, there's, in the short chapters, I think plenty of information to give them an idea of mm -hmm. what we're trying to say. Mm -hmm. I suppose if you want to be a Mormon apologist to learn how to fight against what we're trying to say, then learn how oh, our sure tactics are, <laughs> and then they can say, well, this is how the shortcomings are, and right. we challenge folks to uh, sure. to look at our approaches and then to see if there are holes, and let us know what those are. Well, how many people have done that uh, reading the Bible so that they could tear it apart and yes. ended up believing and becoming Christians themselves? That's so. true. So anyway, if they seek and they seek with their heart, God will show them the truth. Well, each chapter is written by a different person, so tell us why you did it that way, and some of the authors, uh, maybe that people would recognize who helped write the book. Yeah, I, the thing about this book, it could not be written by one person, and that was the idea that I came up with in 2016, and when I understood that, when I told that person who asked me, what's the one way, and I said for the first time, I wish somebody would just write a book with all of the different tactics, and I could just hand it to you, mm. and I thought about it that night. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I thought, you know, that's not a bad idea, but I can't write that myself. Mm -hmm. That's where I started to ask a lot of my friends who are involved in ministry, 
country uh, if they would be willing to write. And uh, I didn't think that a publisher was going to want it. And originally I was going to self-publish this. Mm -hmm. But then I had a couple of friends call me and said that this is too good of an idea to self-publish because it's hard to distribute books yeah, like that. Yeah. So uh, I was able to get Harvest House to listen to the idea. My friend Sean McDowell was very instrumental in that. And we were able to get a few additional authors who don't specialize in Mormonism but are well-known and have tactics that work with Latter-day mm -hmm. Saints. Mm -hmm. and, and so putting that all together was exciting. So each chapter written by a different person sometimes the chapters were written by two people, uh, I think gives it a unique feel. So what one person likes to do, they give it their best shot for 3,000 words, not very long, mm -hmm. six, seven, eight pages in the book, and then it moves on to another person. Mm -hmm. And some of the tactics aren't going to work for uh, some Christian believers, and that's fine. We don't mm -hmm. think that, if, if you found 10 or 15 of these tactics that would work for you, that's probably impossible. I don't know if anybody <laughs> could do know. 8 or 10 or 15, but there might be 3, 4, or 5 yeah. that you might be able to utilize. Yeah, and depending on how many people that you meet, too, that right. you can use each one. So, And I mentioned before that I didn't know that gospel meant good news, and so that's what we want to express to our friends and neighbors and relatives, that it is good news. There's no restriction mm -hmm. to the biblical good news. Um, the polygamist gospel, the Mormon gospel, have too many restrictions. Uh, to, it's too burdensome. There's too many commandments, and and it honestly cannot be called good news. And, nope. and we want to tell the good news to our Christian friends. Um, when we share, we're often accused of trying to destroy other people's faith. Yet Jesus himself, uh, and I think of the woman at the well, he told the Samaritan woman, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. So he wasn't being hateful when he no. said that. And so it's okay for us to also explain it to others. Explain why it's not being hateful or disrespectful. And this would be for our polygamist viewers or our Mormon viewers. Why is it not being dis disrespectful or hateful? to share our good news with the Mormon polygamous culture. If you have a religious culture and the ideas of that religious culture are in opposition to what God's word says that is supposed to be true, you have ultimate truth, I believe, found in the God of this universe as revealed through a special revelation in the Bible. And if somebody's believing different than that, I think we need to dismantle their false presuppositions and help them to understand that they were following a false system and that the only way to be able to have a true uh, understanding of what God intends for us is to understand what God's Word is. I think we're going to maybe create some enemies sometimes who don't like that, but then later those are the same people who come back to thank us mm -hmm. for loving them so much that we took the time exactly. and energy, and even though it might have been hard to have told our friend, I think you're wrong, I don't dislike you, but I think that the philosophy is wrong, then isn't that the ultimate goal of every person to it's find out where truth is. Absolutely, yeah. it is. It's our responsibility to tell them. Jesus told us to. He did. I want to quote from page 25. It says, most Mormons who leave their religion end up heading towards agnosticism or atheism. They feel burned by organized religion. In fact, a common saying among many Mormons is, if the church isn't true, nothing else is. This type of thinking is akin to throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Just because Mormonism isn't true doesn't, isn't true doesn't mean that Christianity is false. Why do most people who leave the Mormon faith also reject Christianity? And I've heard that there's only, just recently, 
of ex-Mormons that embrace Christianity. Most of the rest go to... That's kind of shocking, isn't it, it when is. you think about yeah, that? And I think that's probably true with the polygamous groups as well. Oh, when they probably lead, worse. They head straight over there, and that saying is very common. When I tell that to a former Mormon, they just nod their heads, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, if the church isn't true, then nothing else is. They had been taught in this great apostasy that all of Christianity was corrupt, that Joseph Smith restored the true church, mm -hmm. that is ingrained in their mind, and, and so th they accept that. And I always like to tell somebody who's headed toward atheism because of that, you're denying, when they've left the Mormon faith, you're denying everything about Joseph Smith except you're still accepting that one lie yeah, that the Christian yeah. church cannot be true. Have you ever read the New Testament? Have you really studied what it has to say? I think giving them a book like, for instance, The Case for Christ or mm -hmm. Cold Case Christianity by J. Warner Wallace, who's one of the contributors in our book, I think letting them see that the evidence is really in favor of, mm -hmm. of truth of the, of the Bible. And, uh, and so I think it's sad when I see, and if, if that's true, about 90% going to agnosticism, atheism, I wouldn't doubt it because I talked to a yeah, lot of people yeah. who are in mm -hmm. that camp yeah. and they seem to be so adamant and they're accepting something that I don't think they've really given a fair shot I at. I don't think so either. And I, and I believe that the percentage would be higher with polygamists if there mm -hmm. was any way to find out. Mm -hmm. I do believe it. Um, chapter 1 also deals with the problem of truth, written by Mark Middleberg. He writes about relativism. For instance, he says, truth is what you make it. Uh, truth is, this is what he says relativism embraces. Truth is what you make it. Truth is what you've been taught. Truth is what you've been told to believe, and so on. How do you answer that philosophy? Well, and he's dealing in that first chapter, I wanted him to kind of give an overview of different worldviews that people can have. And that would be one, is having this idea that all truth is the same, it doesn't matter, whatever your truth is. And a lot of Latter-day Saints seem to head to, to that position. Mm -hmm. They like the idea that, well, I'm right, but also you're a good Christian, you do the best you can with what you have. Or do what you feel in your heart yeah. to do. Yeah, and that is uh, a lie from Satan, mm -hmm. because... Uh, you can't have truth be different between different people. If the law of gravity exists, and you can prove that it mm -hmm. exists by showing when you drop a pen that it's going to fall 100% of the time, then you can't say, well, but to me it means. Because that is, uh, and as Mark shows in his chapter, it really is self-defeating, and mm -hmm. you never have ultimate truth. You could change your mind on truth. And, and so what you once believed to be true, and now you believe it's to be false. So were you right at both times, or were you wrong at one time? Yeah, well, I would yeah. say you, you can't have two opposing viewpoints both be true. true Something time. has to be wrong. He says the best answer is truth is what logic and evidence point to. Yes. So we can find the truth then. Is that correct? I believe God has made it possible so that we can know Him and we can know the truth. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy to show that to somebody. And for a person who is blind, the Bible says, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that there are some who just cannot see because they've been blinded. Mm -hmm. And this is a battle not against flesh and blood, but right. against the mm -hmm. spirits and principalities. So, so there's a lot involved. But if you take a look at... For instance, 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection, mm -hmm. and look at all the possibilities for what happened to the body of Jesus. You can take away all of the different ideas that there was a swoon or that the disciples stole the body. I, I, I think having the 500 witnesses that's talked yeah, about that's in 1 important. Corinthians 15, and Paul says we're the most pitied of all people if we don't accept this. 
uh, if Je that Jesus really rose from the dead, that's the center point on mm -hmm. what I think Christianity exists on. And so, so either the resurrection is true or it's not true. You can't have it right. be relativistic. You can't have it be whatever your personal opinion is. Mm -hmm. So that's where we go to. We go to the evidence and find out what is truth. Right. And, and, and someone said the simplicity. Now, it, is, it can be complicated, but it's also simplistic in the fact that Jesus says, I am the truth. Yes. And so if we want the truth, we just go to Jesus. And that's, and that's where it'll begin. It's simple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's that simple. Um, in Chapter 5, J. Warner Wallace suggests that Joseph Smith be investigated. Now, that suggestion brings forth a lot of strong emotions and anathemas from some people. Why is it so important to investigate Joseph Smith? And what does the seeker find when he does do an honest investigation of Joseph Smith? Joseph Smith is the center point for all of the LDS religions, including the polygamous groups. If what he is saying is true, then we all ought to follow one of the branches of his uh, <laughs> groups, the different yes. sects. If he's wrong, and his le the leaders of this church have even said, if you don't have the first vision, if you don't have the Book of Mormon story, then the whole thing falls apart. And they're exactly right. Mm -hmm. And so I think what J. Warner Wallace, who has one half of his family, one side of his family, is LDS. He actually is uh, a cold case detective and uh, has written a number of books, including Cold Case Christianity, a good friend of mine. And he just wanted to take a look at the different things and ask questions about them as a detective would. And, and he asked, wasn't a Christian at the time. He was, yeah, he was trying to determine, you know, and, and it bothered him, you know, that all these things, it sounded so ridiculous. He thought the same thing about Christianity until he started finding out the information he had just thrown it away he followed and, the evidence, and right? he did follow the evidence that's what he does as a cold case detective to determine mm -hmm. who the murderer was what the case is all about and I think that I really like his chapter because I think you can use that information you can ask those questions I just reread the Book of Mormon this the last couple of months and as I'm rereading it and some of the things that he says in there are so true mm -hmm. the anachronisms and mm -hmm. the the information that's so specific as to that naming Jesus and that he was going to die and they even knew what year and everything else it's incredible yeah. if the Book of Mormon is true it's the most incredible prophecy ever made about Jesus and yet it's written as if, and he even talks about this in the chapter, as if somebody wrote after the fact. There's no way you could have been as exact in the way that he, yeah. he comes yeah. across. Yeah. Uh, they, take that, they take that as a, a negative challenge to investigate Joseph Smith. I don't have to. I know he's a true prophet. Yeah. I have a testimony, blah, blah, blah. But Christians aren't afraid to investigate Jesus Christ. No, I think we are commanded to take a look at everything. And we do. Yeah. If Joseph Smith is true, then your investigation should prove that to be the yeah, case. Yeah, truth is and not a fear of investigation. Exactly. Um, that is, uh, a, 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 I think, a center point of... Christianity. Investigate it. See if it's true. Don't just believe it because you pray about it. Believe it because the evidence comes together mm -hmm. and it actually, the conclusion is the only way you can say Jesus is Christ and he needs to be followed. And that's Christ, what exactly. I has, have done as a Christian is what all believers have done. Yeah. You, you, you spotlight Brody Olson um, in, in your book and he and his wife 
uh, are Christians who moved to the Colorado City polygamous community, the FLDS down in Colorado City, in 2012, and they've lived there ever since. So they've been down there, what, five, six years. And they've told the biblical good news to uncountable polygamists in, in that community, some who are no longer FLDS, but they're still in, live there. Brody said in, in his spotlight that although the FLDS and the LDS believe similar things, that there's also great differences, but that polygamists are very reluctant, reluctant to engage in religious conversation because, quote, theological matters are not the result of deductive reasoning, but divine communication through a bona fide prophet. Yeah. I think the key word here is a bona fide prophet. Yeah. How do you answer that? Well, in the idea of Warren Jeffs, who is the leader of the communities where he is serving, uh, certainly um, uh, Warren Jeffs is a, a unique person who, but he's not much different than Joseph Smith when you think not about really, it. Not really, not much. If, if you follow Joseph Smith's life and the things that he said and the things that he did, and you follow what Warren Jeffs did with his 78 wives, teenage wives, all the things that he did, it, it's, it's hard to go up to a polygamist and start talking about theology because that's not how they're built. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to have true. to reach them differently. Brody has done an incredible job there in those in that area, and the people have truly respected what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I know my wife participated in an outreach a few years ago where some ladies came together and went to the, the community, and they put on a um, a weekend of pampering the Mormon women. Mm -hmm. And so they were giving them manicures, and they were giving them hair cuts, and they were doing all these different things. My wife likes to rub feet, and she was uh, doing that, and just bless these people, wow. getting them to open up a little bit, mm -hmm. making them not as suspicious. But there's good people outside of their community, because they're yes. taught that we're all wicked and evil and yeah. demon-possessed. And, and I think I think that's important uh, to, uh, when we talked on the last show about lifestyle evangelism, I think there are times where we just need to show the love of Jesus and not be thinking, okay, what am I going to talk about? Mm -hmm. How am I going to bring up the theology? And and uh, and so for a polygamist, I don't think that's the first thing you're going to want to do unless no, they bring it up. No, unless oh, you're right, unless they bring it up. That's absolutely true. Brody said that they have believed in their religion, that they believe in their religion because it's all they've known. Yes. But that's true with millions of Mormons too, isn't it? That's true, it? yeah. I mean, the way that you grew up, it's hard to hear as a teenager or even in, in your 20s and 30s that what you have believed all your life and that your parents raised you in a religion that's not true, that's hard to hear. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if unfortunately they were deceived, then you don't want to continue the line and have your children be deceived. That's you right. want to you want to find out what is true as well, I would yeah, hope. Yeah, you do. Now, Brody recalled a time when an FLDS person argued that Christianity is too easy. Now, I've had LDS people tell me that. Yeah. It's too easy. What's your answer to that? Well, there's this idea of easy believism. I know that Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about it in a book that he wrote. And, uh, you know, this idea that uh, all you have to do is say a little prayer and then you can go live the way you want. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of Mormons and polygamists have this idea that there's no such thing as sanctification. But right after Paul gets done talking about uh, grace through faith and not of works in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, favorite verses that we like to quote, right. we oftentimes don't like to go to verse 10, right. but it says, for we are God's workmanship created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Mm -hmm. And so when the Latter-day Saint likes to pull out 
James 2.20, faith without works is dead. I like to say, yes, that's exactly right. Jesus says, show me your fruit. And so fruit will come out of that. And a true believer will be will be interested in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc., rather than the acts of the sinful nature, it's, mm-hmm. as Galatians 5 talks about. So while they might think it's too easy, well, you know what? Receiving a gift, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to receive a gift and to understand that I cannot do it on my own. When I ask Latter-day Saints, okay, so you want to do the work. How are you doing at that? And I get this uh, uh, this response of, well, I'm doing the best I can. I'm mm-hmm. trying. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm only human. Well, yeah, you're only human. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to do everything that Mormonism says you have to do right. in order to attain right. the celestial kingdom. Exactly. Very good. Chapter 16, written by Brian Hurlbut, where he uses the simple come and see invitation, which is my particularly, I love that one. Uh, explain what that is. Come and see. Well, Brian is a pastor at Lifeline Community in West Jordan, a good friend of mine. And in fact, uh, I work with Bill McKeever. That's the church where he and Tammy McKeever go. And uh, Brian, when he, he told me about the chapter he wanted to write, I was thinking to myself, you mean going to church is an evangelism tactic? I had never thought of that before. So in his chapter, he talks about a lot of Latter-day Saints, they're used to the kind of church that they have, and then they are invited to have somebody sit with them to a Christian church where the gospel might be presented, where there's different ways of doing things, and it can be quite disconcerting for a lot of Latter-day Saints to listen to the worship bands Mm -hmm. and everything that's different, but a lot of them realize, I like that. And uh, and so it's it's an exposure to the truth in a simple way. Is would you come to my church and just hear the sermon? And it might be it might be at Easter time. It might be you know when you know there's mm-hmm. a special event. But uh, I think even uh, doing this in, in a loving way and trying to have the Latter Day Saint maybe get rid of some of the mis- misconceptions mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I don't know what they think of our church services like. Most services are hour, hour and 15 minutes. And uh, it seems like it's the gospel's usually pretty well brought up somewhere and in there. And that's just it. Most Christian churches have show that passionate love for Jesus, yes. which is very rare that a Mormon or a polygamist would see that in, in any church that they would go to. Yeah. And, and, then, and that shocks many of them. It does. And then notice after the service is over, they're probably going to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's go out for breakfast and, and you can ask me those questions. Yeah. Why did he say this? Why do you do that? You know, your communion. What does that mean? Because in the Mormon sense, uh, the sacrament is where you repent and promise you're going to keep the commandments. What what is your communion for? Can you imagine how many Christian principles that can be talked about just because you were able to have a Latter-day Saint come with you graciously and and um, and hear what your pastor had to say yeah and many of the songs that we sing are songs right straight from like psalms or you know we're singing the scriptures we're singing the words of god chapter 21 joel wrote wrote that using the awareness of sin approach can sometimes be very effective he asks the question when is being good not good enough and we've already talked about this uh, several times. Who would be the best candidate for that kind of an approach? I think a lot of Latter-day Saints think they're good people. And when they are touting their goodness is what's going to get them uh, the very best that God, God has to offer, which is called the celestial kingdom, then 
well, Joel, Joel's tactic is incredible because it explains how many sins a person has really committed. Mm. And he starts off as a child and he, he gives a per certain number of sins, five a day or whatever it is. And, and, and so they do those sins and he adds them up. And then when they become teenagers, they get more. And when they become 20, 30, and it ends up being a million sins or whatever number he comes up with. He's just doing these adding and he's even giving them weekends off. And, uh, and I think that is a great tactic to use with somebody who is in a sense, self-righteous that they Mm -hmm. need to understand how many sins they're not as good as they think they are. If they're honest with themselves and how, what good work erases, which sins, I mean, the sins aren't erased by good works. It's got to be a balancing act there rather than an erasing act. It does. Where Jesus' blood actually does the erasing. But the killer is DNC 82.7. DNC section 82, or DNC section 82 verse 7 says that all your former sins come back. It's like this avalanche Mm -hmm. waiting to happen. And I think a lot of Latter-day Saints know that they're not perfect and that they're going to probably commit the same sin Mm -hmm, again. mm -hmm. And God is there waiting to uh, fry them, Mm -hmm. you know, give lightning bolts to somebody. Exactly. That was, that was the way I lived for a long time. Exactly. Right. That's word for word almost. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, there, there's a person I know who mentioned the, the, and he's a lifetime Mormon. And he said that, he, he studied Christianity quite a bit. He's still a Mormon. But he said more, that Christians focus too much on our sins, that we put too much emphasis on our sinfulness. And, and, and why is that a good concern as far as Christians learn? How, do you answer, how would you answer a Mormon that said that? We think too much of our sins. And I would say that um, we should have an understanding of what our sins are. But at the same time, understand that those sins are forgiven. And Mm -hmm. that's what makes the difference between us as Christians and all the rest of the world. The rest of the world is asking the question, what do we have to do for God? How good can we be? How many times do I have to go to Mecca? How many times Mm -hmm. do I have to pray? And all these other things. Christianity asks the question, what did God do for me first? And so, yes, um, understanding that we are sinners, but for the grace of God and His mercy, the mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Mm-hmm. We should have been punished. Right. Grace is receiving the free gift that he has that offered. We don't deserve. But I don't think we should dwell on, I mean, we should try to live righteously. Don't get me wrong on that either. But at the same time, I don't think we dwell on, man, I was such an evil person. No, but we have to recognize that we are sinners and sinners need a savior. They certainly do. You can't do it on your yeah, own. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left, uh, Eric. So explain what your favorite approach is to sharing the gospel. My favorite approach is using this book called The Miracle of Forgiveness, and this book has uh, been very successful for me. I started using this approach in 2014 uh, at a Temple Open House Outreach, and what I do with this book is I actually give it away to Latter-day Saints because it's written by a president of the church, Spencer W. Kimball. It has been recommended to General Conference. It's been cited numerous times in church publications, and this book basically says what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And he was a Nike spokesperson before Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. even though there was no <laughs> Nike back then. And yeah. it's just do it. Yeah. He says yeah. it's possible just to do. do so we have given away, my, myself and Randy uh, Sweet, the co-writer of my chapter, have given away 500 plus wow. copies of this wow. at public events. But then I recommend in the chapter, you don't have to give away copies. You could just get your own copy and then highlight mm-hmm. some of these uh, citations. In fact, you can go to the website, The Miracle of Forgiveness 
miracleofforgiveness.com. That's the title of the book. So mm -hmm. I, I have the website, themiracleofforgiveness.com, wow. <laughs> and it shows you places I've highlighted, and it shows you in the chapter of the book, as well as on that website, how you can use this. Mm -hmm. And we want Latter-day Saints to think through the idea that they're not doing everything. Why not? Because mm -hmm. um, Kimball says, this is the life. That's what you have to do. It's, it's, to do. And, 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 the, and the Book of Mormon does say very clearly in 1 Nephi 3, 7 that it's possible for men to keep the commandments. If it's possible for men to keep the commandments, what's wrong with you? Yeah, well, because wrong? they're human. What's That's wrong? why. Yeah. Well, thanks, Eric. I hope that many people will buy the book. I, I do hope the polygamists and Mormons will buy it and see where we're coming from yes. when we share the good news with them. And it really is good news that salvation is a gift of God through Jesus Christ who died for our sins. Thank you very much for thank, sharing. Thank you for having me. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, but God miraculously provided an earthquake to set them free. And when the jailer saw this, he attempted suicide because in those days, the jailer served the sentence of any lost prisoner. But Paul said, don't do it. Don't commit suicide. No prisoner has escaped. So the jailer then asked the most important question that can ever be asked by anyone, and that is, what must I do to be saved? And Paul gave a short and simple answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's a simple answer, but is it too simple? Believe means to throw all your faith, all of your reliance and all your trust and confidence of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ alone to save you. For some people that's too hard. They would rather work for it. But the only key into God's heaven is Jesus' grace given through faith in him alone. And we hope you will accept his invitation and his gift. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.